right, boys and girls. We are going to do Second Chronicles chapter 27 in short order. Because it's a short chapter. And can I get a reader for Second Chronicles 27? Austin would like to be the reader. Austin, read at will. kingship of Jotham, Isaiah's son. He probably had co-regencies both with his father and with his son, so he didn't reign by himself very long. It perhaps didn't do that much. However, how would you assess the quality of his kingship overall? Good. He compares him with whom? Both he compares him and contrasts him. He was like Isaiah except for what? Yeah, he didn't mess up like Isaiah did. So he was like the good part of Isaiah. Uh, however, what influence did he have on the people? As time goes on in Judah, the good kings seem to have less impact on the people. You know, you can have a good king, but you can't take the idols out of the heart of the people in a lot of cases unfortunately. And we see some of the things that he did. In verses 3 and 4, we're looking at what aspect of his kingship? Yeah, construction projects. In verse 5, we're looking at what? His what? Wars. And uh, how did he do in his wars? Yeah, who did he conquer? And what did they do? Yes. And verse 6 looks at what aspect of his kingship? And how was he? Because he ordered his ways before the Lord. It's interesting. Isaiah's success led him to... Jotham's success leads him to... Yeah. It depends on your heart. You know, it's interesting that the same kinds of things can lead one person to the Lord and the next person away from the Lord. The difference depends on your heart. So that's Jotham. Do you have a question or comment about him? Or about this chapter? What is order I think he just conducts himself. He, he, he plans out his uh, life according to the way of the Lord. All right. 
One down, nine more to go. Chapter 28, uh, verses 1 to 4. So, um, what can you say about Ahaz? Yeah? He's the mirror image of Jotham. Was there anything bad about Jotham? Does he say anything good about Ahaz? I haven't been able to find it. You know, I believe Ahaz may be uh, one of the only kings where Chronicles doesn't mention not even one redeeming feature. There's nothing good about Ahaz. Well, what were some of the bad things about it? Yes. What did he do? Kind of uh, scald him or something? Yeah, I think that means child sacrifice, not just, uh, you know, singeing their hair or something. Um, that's gross. You know, really bizarre and ridiculous. Wonder what influenced him to do such terrible things. Yeah. He's just like the nations that God vomited out of the land, and uh, the same thing will happen to him if, you know, and, and his people as they continue down this path. He walks in the ways of the kings of Israel, which is not a good sign, since uh, it's shortly hereafter the kings of Israel will be no more. Comments and questions on 1 to 4. Five to fifteen. Wherefore the Lord his God delivered him in the hand of the king of Syria, and they defeated him and carried him away, a great number of captives, and brought them to Damascus. And he and he was also delivered into the hand of the king of Israel, who inflicted him with heavy heavy casualties. For Pekah, the son of Ramalia, flew in Judah, one hundred and twenty thousand in one day, all valiant men because they had forsaken the Lord God of their fathers. And Zikri, a mighty man of Ephraim, slew Maaseah, the king's son, and Azricham, the ruler of the house of Elikim, the son of the king. And the sons of Israel carried away captive of their brethren, 200,000 women, sons and daughters, and took also a great deal of spoil from them. And they brought the spoil to Samaria. But a prophet of the Lord there, whose name was Oded, but a prophet of the Lord was there, whose name was Oded. And he went out to meet the army which came to Samaria, and said to them, Behold, because the Lord, the God of your fathers, is angry with Judah, he has delivered him into, the, into your hands, and you have slain them in a rage, which has even reached heaven. And now you are proposing to subjugate for yourselves the people of Judah and Jerusalem for male and female slaves. Surely you... Surely, do you not have transgressions of your own against the Lord your God? Now therefore, listen to me and return the captive, whom you have captured from your brother. For the burning anger of the Lord is against you. This over the heads of the sons of Ephraim, Azariah the son of Johanan, Berechiah the son of Meshulamoth, 
Jezekiah, the son of Shalom, and Mesa, the son of Hadlai, arose against those who were coming from the battle, and said to them, You must not bring the captives in here, for you are proposing to bring upon us the guilt against the Lord, according to our sins and our guilt. For our guilt is great, but his burning anger is against Israel. So the armed men left the captives and the spoil before the officers and the assembly. Then the men who were, who were designated by name arose, took the captives, and clothed, took the captives, and they clothed all their naked ones from the spoil. And they gave them clothes and sandals, fed them and gave them drink, anointed them with oil, and led all their feeble ones by donkeys, and brought them to, Jer- brought them to Jericho, the city of the palm trees, to, to their brothers. Okay, so here are some of the afflictions the Lord brings against Judah and Ahaz. Who comes in to attack? No, Syria or Aram, not Assyria. And uh, what do they do? Take a lot of uh, captives, Uh, that's bad. And then who else comes against them besides Aram or Syria? Israel, what king? Pekah. Verse 6, kills 120,000 in one day. That is pretty severe losses. Uh, And kills some leaders in the administration. Verse 7. And carry away 200,000 captives. And they would have carried those captives all the way back to Israel, I suppose, except for what? (coughs) And what's this prophet's name? You know, there's a lot of prophets we don't ever read about in, like, books of prophets or whatever. We've read about several prophets. What does Oded tell them? That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, this was not something they did for themselves. They were an instrument of God to discipline, to punish uh, Judah, and they're going to make you know, themselves look really bad in the eyes of the Lord if they take these captives back to Israel. After all, they've got enough faults of their own. You know, they shouldn't be taking these captives. And, uh, well, what happens when Oded tells Israel, the northern kingdom, not to take the 200,000 captives? They listen. In contrast to a lot of Judean kings we've been seeing, They listen, and they don't do it. In fact, did you see verse 15? Yeah. Now, I want you to look at verse 15 carefully. Does that remind you of anything? (laughs) Isn't that bizarre? What connections do you see with the Good Samaritan? Jerusalem to Jericho. That's pretty bizarre, isn't it? I I don't know if the Lord was drawing on this passage at all as he told the story of the Good Samaritan, but there's some rather interesting parallels that kind of jump out at you. I don't know what to make out of that, but I thought it was interesting. Yes, yes, that's another one. Yes, that's right. That's probably the most important point. So isn't that weird? I mean, you've got 
What, Samaria taking care of him, oil, donkeys, Jericho. I mean, that's a pretty good set of parallels for uh, a story like this. So, I don't know. It's really kind of shameful for Judah. <laughs> Very good point. Uh, it couldn't be, could it? Yeah, I don't think it could be because of the time difference. Well, do you realize how far it's been from Asa down to uh, Ahaz? Uh, Asa's dates would be along about, oh, I don't remember, in the ballpark of 910 down to 870. And Ahaz's dates would be, I think, about maybe 740-ish, 730, somewhere through there. Okay, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> what are aces there? Hey, that, was, that was good. All right, so how much... How much Time elapsed, is that? Then 100 and... Almost 200 years. Oh, Dad's pretty gray-bearded by now. Think different ones. That too. All right. Other comments or questions through 15? Sixteen to twenty-seven. End of the chapter. For Jehovah brought Judah low because they had seen Israel. For he dwelt wantonly in Judah and trespassed sore against Jehovah. And Tiglath, holding to his king of Assyria, came unto him and distressed him. So thank him in the time. For A had took away the portion of the house of Jehovah and out of the house of the kings and of the Sadducees, and David under the king of Assyria, so it helped him not. And at that time of his distress, he did such. Has yet more against Jehovah as this same thing as Ahab. For he sacrificed unto God to Damascus with Moses, and he said, Because the God of the king, kings of Assyria, Assyria helped them, therefore I will sacrifice to them, that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him in all, of all Israel. And they had gathered together the vessels of the house of God and cut in pieces the vessels of the house of God and shut the doors of the house of Jehovah and made he made him altars in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every city of Judah he made high places to burn incense into each other God. He provoked the anger of Jehovah the God of his prophets. Now the rest of the acts and all his ways, Lord and last, Lord, they are written in the books of the kings of Judah and Israel. And he has blessed with his fathers, the very in the city, in Jerusalem. For they brought him not into the places of the kings of Israel. And Hezekiah his son made in his Okay. So Ahaz is in trouble and turns 
for help to Assyria, not the right place to turn. Who are, besides Aram and Israel, who else has been uh, rebelling against King Ahaz? Edom and Edom and the Philistines. Not Egypt, I don't think. Edom in 17, the Philistines in verse 18, they've turned on them, attacked, and carried away captives, and taken away uh, territory, um, which connects with previous kings. Which king, fairly recently, has conquered Edom? Amaziah. Remember Amaziah? He didn't take the Israelite mercenary soldiers, but he ends up bowing down before the Edomite gods. And which king has attacked uh, and conquered Philistine territory? Isaiah. So the two, uh, his grandfather and great-grandfather had conquered Edom and the Philistines, and now they're returning the favor. <laughs> Uh, in the days of Ahaz, rather appropriately, Ahaz won't humble himself, so the Lord will humble him, and does. And, uh, well, how did it work turning to Assyria for help? <laughs> it sort of backfired on him, didn't he? It just sort of complicated his situation. Tiglath-Pileser came against him and afflicted him instead of strengthening him. So, uh, you know, it's bad when uh, the, your friends become your enemies. And, uh, you know, Ahaz takes and gives him gifts out of the temple and the palace. And still Assyria hurts instead of helps them. Um, so that's, that's pretty, uh, pretty bad. Now think about how some kings handle great distress. What would be the right approach? in great distress. Turn to the Lord. What does Ahaz do in great distress? Yeah, turns everywhere but to the Lord. In fact, where does he turn in verse 23? Yeah, well he thinks, well they've helped the Arameans, maybe they'll help me. <laughs> but that was the downfall of him and uh, his people. He's a uh, very opportunistic. He'll, he'll take advantage of any God he thinks might be able to help in a pinch. And uh, notice verse 24, remarkably. What does he do? Yeah, he takes a step out of the house of God and then and closes the doors. They just shut up the temple, no use it. That's pretty sad. Particularly in a book like Chronicles, where the temple is so important, this, uh, this verse screams at the outrageously unfaithful conduct of Ahaz. And uh, that's Ahaz. Where was he buried? But not. Which is the ultimate uh, you know, negative evaluation of a king. He didn't get to be buried with the kings as a few others didn't. So uh, he was bad. Comments and questions on chapter 28 and Ahaz.
It's an easier thing to do than what you think, and uh, that's a good good observation. Other thoughts? I agree. Other thoughts? So, Ahaz's father was Jotham, a good king. Ahaz is a bad king. And Ahaz's son, Hezekiah, is a good king. Uh, Reminds you of Ezekiel 18 somewhat. Uh, if you've studied that passage, good father, bad son, good grandson. Um, have we remembered the kings? We go from the king that, uh, you know, it, tore up the kingdom. Rehoboam, then Abijam, Isa, Josephat, Jehoram, Isaiah, Athaliah. Joash, Messiah, Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Getting a lot of them, aren't we? Where you at? Hezekiah. Hezekiah gets the third greatest amount of space in the Chronicles after David and Solomon. So we got a lot about Hezekiah here. And... Um, Let's start with uh, chapter 29, uh, verses 1 and 2. All right, so what do you know about Hezekiah's kingship overall? It was good. Now we're going to start looking at a series of events. Look at verse 3 in the first year of his reign in the first month. Then look at 30.13. We're into the second month. Then look at 31.7 in the third month. The fir- chapters 29, 30, and 31 are events that occur within the first three months of his kingship. And so we have a great concentration in chronicles on this material material of which very little is found in Kings. The stuff in Kings about uh, Hezekiah is very abbreviated in the Chronicles. And Chronicles deals a lot more with these first few months of his reign. So, 3 to 15, you can skip names if you want. He, in the first year of his reign, in the first month, opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. And he brought in the priests and Levites and gathered them together into the broad place on the He said to them, Hear me, you Levites, now sanctify yourselves, and sanctify the house of the Lord, the God of your fathers, and carry forth the filthiness out of the holy place. For our fathers have trespassed and done that which was evil in the sight of the Lord our God, and forsaken him, and turned away their faces from the habitation of the Lord, and turned their backs. 
Also, they have shut up the doors of the porch and put out the lamps. It's not burned incense, nor bu no offered burnt offerings in the holy place unto the God of Israel. Wherefore, the wrath of the Lord was upon Judah and Jerusalem, and he hath delivered them to be tossed to and fro, to be in astonishment and hissing, as you see with your own eyes. For lo, our fathers have fallen by the sword, and our sons, and our daughters, and our wives are in captivity for you. Now it is in my heart to make a covenant with, your, with the Lord, the God of Israel, that his fierce anger may turn away from me. My sons, be not now negligent. For the Lord hath chosen you to stand before him, to minister to him, to, that you should be his ministers, and burn incense. Then the Levites arose, Maha, the son of Amasai, and Joel, the son of Azariah, of the sons of the Kohathites, and the sons of Merari, Kish, the son of Abdi, Azariah, the son of Jehoel, and of the Gershon Sinites. Jehoah, the son of Zimma, and Eden, the son of Joah, and sons of Elis, uh, yeah, and a lot of other people. And they gathered their brethren and sanctified themselves, and went in according to the commandment of the king by the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. And the priest went in. Okay. So, in the first year of the first month of his reign, first act of business is... <coughs> Even before that, he opens the temple back up. You know, he immediately gets that temple reopened and starts repairing it. And then he brings the priests and the Levites and tells them to consecrate themselves. Just being a Levite doesn't necessarily mean they are prepared to act as Levites. They have to be sanctified and purified and to be properly prepared for their work. Their fathers had been unfaithful. Things have not gone well. God has been unhappy with them. But verse 10, it's in my heart to make a covenant with the Lord God of Israel that his burning anger may be turned away from him. And of course, that's what's the most important thing. One of the things that's happened to him in verse 9, a lot of their relatives are in captivity. Captivity? I wonder what that was all about. Maybe Israel's captivity, but I wonder if it's not a reference back to 28.5 where Aram carried a lot of captives away. There were other captivities besides the great captivities. So I don't know. You can think about that. Um, but, but, you know, Hezekiah is trying to get them to, to really turn back to God, to reconsecrate themselves, to rededicate themselves to the worship of God, and particularly trying to get the Levites and the priests to be ready to offer service to God, to minister to him, to burn the incense, to offer the sacrifices, and the Levites get up, and they consecrate themselves, and they cleanse the house of the Lord, and uh, they get things ready to have a spiritual revival. Verse 15, with them cleansing the house of the Lord, does that remind you of anything? Who else cleansed the house of the Lord? Jesus is who I was thinking of. Others in the divided kingdom did also. Notice one of the people who's into this, and that is uh, verse 13. Descendants of Elizaphan, or whatever. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, in Leviticus 10, um, somewhere in through there, I may have to find it, uh, but this same guy was involved in the cleansing of the uh, temple there, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, in 10.4, um, 
to, to cleanse the temple of Nadab and Abihu. Now his descendants, many years later, are helping to cleanse the temple in Hezekiah's day so they can return to worshiping God in the temple. So that's the first order of business for Hezekiah, getting the temple reopened, cleansing the priests and the Levites so that they can offer service properly in the temple. Comments and questions? Yeah, not uncommon. Oh, it's spelling, spelling. <laughs> because the Hebrew text is not pointed. Because the Hebrew text is not pointed. But if it's not pointed in Leviticus, it wouldn't be pointed in the same So that could explain why it would be spelled differently. What's the point? Oh, man. And that's why the text is not valid. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it could be spelled differently, which would, which would explain them putting in different types of vowels. I mean, it's like it's my... It's the same way as Hebrew. It probably is, but they don't put the vowels in. So when they put the vowels in, they can be put in different. And, and the spelling of names varies. Spelling of names varies a lot. You know, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadrezzar. Explain that one. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, I'll tell you what, if we had this another day, this would be uh, uh, too hilarious to uh, record. Yeah. Well, since when have you been a spelling purist? <laughs> The guy who, until he was 12, spelled they, T-H-A-Y. <laughs> Maybe some of the spellers back here were, uh, went to the same school. I really don't think it makes any difference. I think they're variations without a difference. All right, any other questions or comments? Must have been. That is an interesting thing. I had not noticed that. I appreciate your observation. Other thoughts? <laughs> Thank you for that. They live too far apart to be the same person. <laughs> I think we need to go on to 16 to 19.
Then they went to King Hezekiah and said, We have cleansed, we have cleansed all the house of the Lord. Uh, the altar burnt the altar burnt with this article, and the king was killed there with this article. Moreover, all the articles which King Ahaz in his reign had cast aside and the church of the church of the so we had the purification first of the priests and the Levites. Now what are we purifying? The house of God itself, spending a week purifying the outer court, and a week purifying and consecrating the temple itself. Must have been in pretty bad shape to take two weeks to get it all purified. And uh, that's what they do. Everything's ready for uh, operation now. Comments and questions? Shows a lot of importance in, purifi in purified things to use in serving God. And a lot of importance that Chronicles gives to the temple and the worship and those sorts of things that may seem not too exciting to us, but they were very important to the Lord and are today. I guess. Oh. You said. I didn't understand you. Uh, I wonder if they couldn't have done that while the temple was closed. <laughs> I don't know what they did. Probably went to, you know, work in the factory or something. Yes, that happened in... <laughs> I think Nehemiah. Yeah, Nehemiah 13. Yeah. <laughs> It does take a lot of faith, and it would be more insecure in some way. Other thoughts? 20 to 30? Yeah, 
Levi stood with the musical instruments of David and the priests with the trumpets. Then Hezekiah gave the order to offer the burnt offering on the altar. And when the burnt offering began, the trumpet also began with the trumpet, accompanied by the instruments of David, king of Israel. Seems to me like this is almost the rededication of the temple, and what do we do in 20 to 24? What kind of sacrifice primarily? Sin offering. Our relationship with God begins with forgiveness, with the offering for sin. They need to be restored back to God, so they offer the sin offering. And then what, while they're offering the sacrifices, what else are they doing? Absolutely. God is being praised while the sacrifices are burning, which is, you know, important to recognize God and praise Him directly as they're petitioning forgiveness. And notice that it wasn't just the people. Verse 29, what does Hezekiah himself do? Should a king bow down? Why? He's the king. God is the true king. Hezekiah is his servant also. Comments and questions? Okay, Okay, so now they're offering the sacrifices that are being brought, a number of sacrifices, but they've got a problem. What's the problem? So who had to help in skinning the burnt offering? The Levites. Seems like the Levites had been more careful to get themselves purified than what the priests had. Sometimes the the more important people are not as careful and the humbler people are more dedicated to God. It's no problem for the Levites to skin the burnt offerings. Really, in Leviticus, who was going to have skinned the burnt offerings? The worshiper himself in Leviticus 1. So, uh, but, but as time goes on, more of that service seems to have been performed by the priests. But, but the Levites here are doing that. <coughs> 
and uh, they reestablished the temple service. And uh, notice verse 36. They rejoiced over what God had prepared for the people. This is all about what God did uh, for the people. And, uh, you know, it can be easy for us to think about, look how we sacrificed, look how we purified, look at all we've done. But they see all of this, really, as God's action for them. They are thankful to God for the sacrifices, for the purification, for the temple service, and all of this. Comments and questions? Yes. It is evidence of a big sacrifice. Lots of animals, lots of need for, for space, or in this case for temple help. Comment? Question? You say what? What? 